Hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And grace and peace to you, my friends, on this second Sunday of Easter. With the good news from Easter Sunday that Jesus, having defeated sin and death by dying on the cross and rising from the grave, and thus opening for us the door to eternal life, with this good news, the designers of our Sunday lectionary readings desire to push us, to push our understanding of what Jesus' death and bodily resurrection really means. This push comes in the form of reading from the book of Revelation, not only today, but for the following five Sundays as well. It is an opportunity for us then to, in a sustained way, peek into perhaps one of the more interesting yet highly misunderstood books of the Bible. Most of us listening to this sermon today enjoy reading the Gospels, are comfortable with the Acts and the letters of Paul and the other biblical authors. But when it comes to the Revelation, we begin to tiptoe around by either ooing and eyeing with the idea of knowing the future, or we move all the way to our feelings of fear and the notion that the book is only about end times or the end of the world, or worse yet, the book is veiled to my understanding, and therefore the book doesn't really concern me, my family, or my friends today. And that's really a shame because the Revelation is a rich book providing great encouragement, strength, and understanding for us so that we might know how we shall then live as agents of new creation in the world today. So let me lay out a few opening remarks about the book of Revelation in general terms and then dive into the reading for today. To begin with, it is the book of Revelation, not Revelations. It may seem like a minor point, yet it is an important point. That point being the book gives us one clear, sharp vision of God's ultimate purpose, not only for our own lives, but for all of creation. That one clear, sharp revelation is this. The powerful forces of evil at work and very evident in political, social, economic, and otherworldly systems were in fact defeated and are being defeated by the victory of Jesus won on the cross. And let me say that again, because in a nutshell, this is what the book of Revelation is all about. It is about the revelation from God that the powerful forces of evil evident in the political, social, and economic systems of the old world were defeated and continue to be defeated by the victory of Jesus on the cross. And now, through the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control of Jesus' followers. That's right. The victory was not only won on the cross, but continues to be won today through you and me as we live out our lives as followers of Jesus. Second, the word revelation is the English word translated from the Greek word apocalypse, and apocalypse being the original name of the book. 
Today, when we hear the word apocalypse, most of us think of a, an old 1970s movie, Apocalypse Now, or the end of the world, or maybe the word rapture comes to mind. Let me just say up front, this book is not about Marlon Brando or the end of the world, nor does it have anything to do with some heretical teaching called the rapture. In fact, the word means taking the veil away from something hidden. Thus, the book of Revelation allows us to see what was once veiled to humans now being unveiled by the God of heaven. That vision is not about the end of the world or something called the rapture, but that vision is about, as I stated earlier, demystifying the power that evil has over the political, social, and economic systems of the world and replaces that notion with the fact that Jesus has defeated Satan and his angels and won the victory over evil on the cross and triumphed over death in his resurrection. Then, in turn, Jesus grants to his followers, to you and me today, that same power of victory over the forces of evil in the world, over those power, the power of sin, and over the evil thing called death. The book of Revelation then opens up to Jesus' followers this precious knowledge of this victory, which then brings strength, courage, and understanding as to how we shall live our lives as followers of Jesus. Now, some of us listening to me today may have already read through the book of Revelation and thus may be thinking either to themselves or out loud, now, wait a minute. When I read the book of Revelation, I read of earthquakes and stars falling from the sky and the moon turning red. I read of plagues, disease, and famine. It sure sounds like the end of the world to me. And I would agree with you that the language of the Revelation is extremely evocative, bizarre even, and very violent. But as a third general point, and then we will move on to today's text, let me say that when an old world is giving way to a new world, maybe the best language we have to describe what has actually happened in real time and continues to happen today may best be described as the earth shaking and the stars falling from the sky and the moon turning red. You see, when the old world ruled by Satan, the accuser, and the powers of evil were overthrown by Jesus' death on the cross and subsequent resurrection from the grave, when that happened, the old world order was completely shaken and began to be moved aside so that the new world order of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, may move in. A good analogy may be to say that for the allies of World War II, the victory of the war was won on D-Day, 6 June 1944, when the allies got a foothold on the enemy's territory. The war was not officially ended until the spring and summer of 1945, Yes, more fighting was to come. In fact, the fiercest battles were yet to be fought. But the victory was won on 6 June 1944. 
So when Jesus came out of the grave, the victory over sin and death was won. Yet the enemy did not just give up and run. No, in fact, the fiercest battles were yet to come and are still coming. Yet in those battles, evil continues to be overcome by the love of God through the power of the saints. Turning then to our text for today, we read John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Well, who was John? Well, tradition tells us that this John was the author of the Gospels of John, the one known as the beloved disciple of Jesus. Now, no small amount of ink has been spilt over speculating on whether or not tradition is correct. Scholars and learned people speculate a few other options. And if you are interested in reading about those possibilities, pick up almost any scholarly commentary on the book of Revelation, and you will find pages of options offered. In the end, I hold with the reason of tradition, but the point of the book remains the same. The text also tells us that John is writing his revelation from the island of Patmos. Patmos is a small island about 35 miles off the coast of modern-day Turkey, just off of where the city of Ephesus and the other six churches mentioned in the text stood. At the time, Patmos was like a penal colony of Roman prisoners, and not just any prisoners, those who committed common ordinary crimes, but those who committed crimes against the state. Crimes like sedition, or preaching that a new kingdom of God, a new kingdom of heaven, had come to replace the power of Rome. And so John writes from the penal colony on Patmos, for the crime of preaching the good news of Jesus and testifying to the fact that, power, that that power of Jesus is greater than the power of Rome. Today, we, we may not understand that John was preaching that a new, powerful kingdom was born, but I'll say this, the Romans sure understood what he was saying, and for those words, for that testimony, John was thrown into prison on the island of Patmos. And John tells us that he was privy to this revelation on the Lord's Day. On a Sunday then, on Resurrection Day, the day when Christians had begun to gather and to worship the new king, Jesus. It was on this Lord's Day that John tells us that he was in the Spirit and that he heard a voice like a trumpet telling him to write down this revelation. When John hears this voice, he turns and he looks and he's to see who was speaking. And when he turned and looked, he saw a figure like the Son of Man clothed in a long robe with a golden sash standing in the midst of a seven-stick candelabra. In other words, John turns and sees one in the robe of a priest with the golden sash of a king around his waist, standing in the midst of furniture normally found in the temple of God. A priest is someone who gives right praise to God. A king, one with power and authority. And now this priestly king is seen standing in what appears to be a temple, which is the place where God dwells where humans come to meet with God, where heaven and earth come together. 
sounds a lot like the resurrected Jesus to me, who, like the Son of Man from the Old Testament prophecy, stands as a new human being, new creation, with right praise for God in kingly authority in the place where God dwells. Thus, the new Adam, as it were, replaces the old Adam and now stands before God and rules over all creation as originally planned. Here, this John is invited by God into this space, this heavenly space where Jesus, the high priest and king, now rules over the world. The admonition from this one who looks like the Son of Man to John is, do not be afraid. Any of us who found ourselves standing before this priestly king, we would be scared to death, shaking in our boots. Why should John not then be afraid? Why should we then not be afraid? Jesus says, I am the first and the last, the living one. I was once dead. I am now alive forever. I have the keys of death and of Hades. In other words, this Jesus, strong and powerful, yet loving and kind, this Jesus is saying to John, who then writes this vision down to say to all of us who come after him, to fear not for Jesus, the one who was put to death by the old world, has now been raised back to life into the new world, into new creation. The power of the old world has been broken, defeated. It is done. It is finished. The new creation has come. And oh, by the way, Jesus says, I took the keys away from the devil. I have broken death and unlocked the door of hell. Therefore, John, you have nothing to fear. And I have done all of this because I love you dearly. As we come to the end of our homily, let me ask, what is the so what of all this biblical theology? What does it all mean for me today in the year 2022? Well, first, read the book. Don't think this book is veiled with a secret code meant for someone else. No, read the book with great anticipation, knowing that it is understandable. It does have meaning for us today and that the book will bring you great encouragement, strength, and understanding as to who Jesus truly is, and thus who we truly are as well. Second, the book is meant to push us into a deeper, stronger, more relevant faith, allowing us to face the complex and complicated situations each of us finds ourselves in today. Lastly, fear not. Draw closer and closer to this powerful priestly king that we know in this reading of this book. And then we will all gain a deeper knowledge of Jesus' defeat of true evil and how we may harness that power in our own lives and find victory for ourselves over evil, sin, and death. So as we read through the book of Revelation, fear not. For this book is about watching what happens to the old way of life, the old world powers of sin and death giving way to the new world power of the kingdom of God. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come.
Amen.